0: Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell people when the wall panels fall off. I'm your host, Luke
1: Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or
0: two along the way. Ah... There you go. That was a great intro because I realized that our heads were not on center. Oh, and they're still not. Oh, I'm just getting higher up in my chair. Don't worry about that if you're listening to this. Just imagine uh, a guy elevating slightly, and that's what happened. Very, very nice. See,
1: the problem is the camera is now closer. The camera is now mounted on my desk for, if, uh, for people who are listening, and it's now closer wow. to me, so that's – you know, I can't. That's why I'm. That's why I'm higher up here. Can you not make the arm go higher up? I could raise. Oh, I guess I could raise it. Do we want to do that? Look
0: at that. I mean, no, we don't have to do that now. That's we're not going to do that. Stop it. Stop we're it. Not doing that. We're not. It'll doing get that. more crooked. You're right. Okay. Oh my goodness, Noah. We're trying to kickstart our career as professional streamers, and this is not how we're gonna do it. Everyone has to start somewhere. This is
1: episode 25, so Yeah, I, mean, it's not I exactly feel like we started, started
0: a while ago,
1: but some people take longer than others, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, it's taken us about a year at this <laughs> point. But we're on our way. We're on our way. We're going to become famous Twitch streamers because if there's one thing that the past week or two has taught us, it's that honestly, that's the future. It's the way to go. So yes. there's been a, a recent data breach. I think it was what 127 gigabytes which revealed a whole bunch of internal source code. We also got a sneak peek at uh, Twitch is launching a Steam competitor apparently. An unreleased Steam competitor was leaked. And then of course there was the the salaries that that Twitch had paid out to streamers. But Noah, do you want to talk a little bit about this data breach?
1: Yeah, so I don't know all of the details, but I did uh, read up about it a bit. seems like a lot of data was leaked from Twitch, including their full, like, all of their source code. And it wasn't just the code itself, but it was also uh, the entire history of the code, the entire version control um, information. So basically, like... 30 seconds, the way that that coding works or the way that, like, you write code in an environment like this is, uh, you know, each thing that you do, you know, you're implementing a feature or you're fixing a bug or whatever, you write some code up and then, uh, you know, maybe in fact you touch multiple files, whatever. You bundle that all into a single change and then, you know, you get some people to approve it and you submit it. So, like, there's each change. They're called commits when you're talking about, like, version control kind of stuff. So each commit is basically, like, one change to like one or more files in the in the source code and when you have all of these commits you can see how the code evolved over time so you can jump back to any point in the past and see exactly what the code looked like at that time you can see who wrote what code there's like all this interesting information so that entire thing leaked which means that if you have access to it you can basically see i don't know if it goes back all the way to the beginning but however far it goes back you could see actually the evolution of twitch from that entire time, you can see any code that was added, any code that was deleted or changed, uh, who wrote it, like all that information. So there's a, a huge breach uh, of the code, and then also lots of information like the, um, the uh, money uh, that we'll talk about in a moment. And the money it was, it was, uh, well, the. Uh, a lot of money. It was a lot of money. The the, the money that, that the. Uh, I guess it's what the Twitch partners got from ads that run on the
0: platform, I believe. So do we know actually if it was just ads or was it like um, the, what is it called? They have the subscriptions. What do they call them? We're literally oh. broadcasting this on <laughs> Twitch, but I forget the name. I No, there's, they're like subs, right? Subscriptions, subscriptions and yeah. like bits
1: or something. I don't know. There's like all different kinds of things there.
0: So, so is it all of that stuff bundled in there or was it just from ads? Because if it's just ads, then that's literally insane. I believe it's everything from Twitch was bundled in there, but
1: any external like you know brand partnerships or whatever, obviously those are not included.
0: Yeah, so that, I mean that's pretty crazy. Cause let me see if I can pull up here, uh, the the image of how much these people were making. Because what in the heck? Oh my gosh, it was just it was just ridiculous. Let me see if I can find. Find the list. Ah, oh, I got it. Ha ha. Let me zoom in to make. Oh gosh, this website Ah, uh, oh no, this website's covered in ads. Oh boy. Oh my gosh. We'd Wait, like to you... show you notifications for the latest news and updates. Do I want to get Valorant and League of Legends updates? No. I'm I'm quite all right. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. I was going to ask
1: if here. you if you were the one that leaked all of this information, but I guess if you're finding it on this website, that's covered in ads, then it probably wasn't you.
0: Yeah. I think that's safe to say. So let's go ahead and pull up this really beautiful website. Are you guys ready? If you're if you're, if you're listening and you're not watching live, imagine a really ugly website (laughs) because that's what we're looking at here. But Oh Oh, my God, look at these amounts of money. I, I. well, first of all, I'm noticing here that, that the um, in the rank column, it goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and then a million. Or is that 10, 10 million? And then 18, 19, 20, and then 10 million, a uh, person got $0. So there you go. Are there even 10 million people on Twitch? Probably. There might uh, It's probably just like whatever
1: placeholder, I guess that person must not have ads turned on or they, or, or maybe they got like, well, they made it onto the list
0: here. Yeah. So that's something, but my goodness, the 25th largest Twitch streamer total payout from August, 2019 until October 21. So that's the information that leaked here. So that's what is that a year and, and two months year and a month, roughly.
1: So, uh, or, t- sorry, two years. Two yeah, years,
0: two years and two months or two years and a month, yeah. So, you're talking about 24 months here, and, uh, well, I guess we could call it 26. The top Twitch streamer, Critical Role, who, by the way, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally no idea. I don't think I recognize a single... Okay, I recognize the name Shroud, but I've never watched them i recognize the name Tfu is that even i don't even know if i'm saying that right mm. this shows you just how far out of the know-how we are on this topic but let's just you know we're talking about 9.6 million dollars in just over 20 26 months that works out to three hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars a month. First of all, nice. Nice. That's pretty that's pretty epic. Second of all, oh my that's if if you made 369000 nice thousand dollars in a year, you'd be like pretty much in the top one percent. You'd be like, oh heck yeah, this is awesome. That's a lot of money. You could live yeah. very comfortably. More than comfortably, you could be rich on 370 grand a month a year. And they're making that every month just off of ads, not even counting brand deals. Oh my God. I'll tell you one thing. If I was making $370,000 a month, I would never, I would delete my email. No one would ever be able to sponsor me. what, what? what what could I possibly want more money for at that point? <laughs> yeah, that's true cuz I feel like I feel like you've talked about this
1: before, but you make like what is your breakdown between like money you make from ads and from sponsorships? They're like around somewhere around the same
0: ballpark, is that right? Oh, in terms of like like proportionally? Yeah. My ads from YouTube are more than my um sponsor ads but i don't have a sponsor on every video and a lot of my views i it's it's, maybe we could talk about this um at some point but here i can maybe pull this up a little bit here i'll pull up for demonstration purposes my analytics i think i have to sign in again oh yeah of course of course we love two-factor authentication um, Oh, I'm not going to do that right now. But anyway, the point is, a lot of my views come from residual views. That's like one of the things that I do for my channel is I try to make, every time I make a news video, news videos are, are great because they are quick to make and, you know, fun to talk about, fun to make, and capitalize on information that comes out quickly. Fantastic, but the thing about news videos is, 24 hours after you post them, they're done. Yeah, news videos are, are are one and done. Day one they do well, day two they they tend to you know be on the downswing, but still get some residual views. Day three, gone. Video's dead. And so, what happens is if if there's a month where a lot of news is going on, uh, and I have back to back news videos. They only really perform, you know, sequentially. The the big ones are are when I get videos that actually last longer. So a good example of that is last year I uploaded two videos about Mac OS Big Sur. One of them was on uh, the day of WWDC. Uh, let me see if I can find out. Oh man, I really wish I could pull this up here, but it's there's no way to cr- crop it to not show a bunch of information. But essentially, I uh, there were two videos. One was on WWDC Day, and that was about... Um, I, what was it called? Let me find this. At this point, I need to know. Mac OS... Oh wait, that was so that was the, f- the second one and then the first one. Wow, I really had this one prepared and ready to go. <laughs> Just super fantastic, okay, here it is. So on June 22nd, 2020, I uploaded macOS Big Sur hands-on first look. And that's a video, I've done those since 2018. And basically what we do is I get the, the developer beta and talk about the Apple, the, the new features of this, of the new macOS operating system but do it like hands-on rather than just regurgitating what Apple tells you in the keynote. I like show the actual features working and show it, whatever is available in the developer beta. And so that's the first macOS video. And then on November 12th, 2020, I uploaded macOS Big Sur tips and tricks for beginners. And that was when the actual OS came out, going over some of the top features of it. And these two videos are a perfect illustration of the difference between like new views for like a news topic versus residual views, which make up a lot of my revenue. So the two videos are very close in views. The, the hands-on first look has 530,000 views and the tips and tricks has 550,000 views. So Tips and Tricks did a little bit better than First Look. Both of those videos did pretty well. I mean, that's half a million views for each of them. Yeah, That's respectable. That's th- th- that's because uh, Big Sur was a, a big deal. Look at that. The biggest Sir you could even say. But what's interesting is if I go into the analytics graph, which I wish I could show you. Maybe I can, actually. Maybe I can pull this up Um, as like a screenshot by pasting it into a Chrome tab and then sharing that Chrome tab. Wouldn't that be the ultimate flex?
1: This is very advanced.
0: This is advanced streaming right here. So if I put this in a Chrome tab, it works. (coughs) Look at this. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so clever. (laughs) This... This is the screenshot of the second video. This is Tips and Tricks. And let me pull up the other one. Okay, that opened in a new tab. So let me let me go ahead and share another screen. Okay. This is getting really fancy at this point. Oh boy. Oh, that's the same one again. All right. Well, anyway, I guess let's let's start by talking about this. So, what are we looking at here? Well, as you can see here, this is a graph of not quite a full year, three hundred and thirty-six days, but we can see pretty clearly that the majority of views come in the first week. So, the first one day of upload was ninety-one thousand views. The first seven days of upload were two hundred and seventy-one thousand views so uh, the typical lifespan of a youtube video tends to be a week um for for larger channels weirdly it's reversed for smaller channels smaller channels very frequently um back in in like 2018 when i was first getting started it was almost a certainty that a video would do better later The the first day views were always pretty bad because when I had 20,000 subscribers, there weren't really all that many people sitting around waiting for an upload that were going to watch it on day one. So most of the views came later on. But that that changed very quickly. And I can pull up an example of that if people are interested. But the first seven days we're looking at here is where it gets to that, that first apex there. And then the curve levels off. That's, that's something that usually happens sooner, but this was an example of a video that does well over time. So you can see here that it gained, I guess, um, from about 300,000 views to five hundred and fifty. So I guess 250,000 views, which came in very slowly over the course of almost a year. And so if you think about that from an ad revenues perspective, that's a video, the work is done, it's uploaded but it's just sprinkling a couple of dollars a day over the course of a year. Nothing that you're gonna notice, really, but when you get a bunch of these types of videos, it starts to add up a little bit. Now, if I share the other screen, let's see if I can correctly do this. This is the graph for the, uh, the hands-on first look of Mac OS Big Sur. So you can see a pretty clear difference in these two graphs if you're watching live with us. So whereas the previous graph had had a noticeable uh, infle- uh inf what am I? What's the word? Fluctuation in influx. You know what I'm talking about? An inflection point. <laughs> That's what it was. Okay. That would have been a lot cooler if I could think of the word and didn't stumble around <laughs> for 20 seconds. But there was a noticeable inflection point that came after a week. Here, the graph is essentially vertical. And then it, it sort of looks like, um, it sort of looks like, ah, another fancy term that I'm forgetting. What is it called in math where it approaches zero? Asymptote? An asymptote. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. This kind of looks like an asymptote, don't you think? Yeah, kind
1: of this is really interesting. It looks like in the first like couple of days it just goes straight up and then it basically just I mean it gets a little bit more, but it basically just that was basically it.
0: Yeah, and so so remember how the second video had more views, 550,000 compared to this video's 530? Right. The last video on the first day got 91,000 views. This video on the first day got 181,000 views. And, day, and and by day four, it was already at 400K. By day seven, which is... so So day seven, the other video was at 271. But it gained another... Almost the same amount of views again. It gained almost another 270. This video by day seven had 453,000 views, and only gained another 100,000. And, and that pretty much all happened within that first month. Yeah, on on July 26th of last year, it hit 500,000, which means in over a year since then, it has only gotten 30,000 views, which is very, very little. And and you can see the difference. I can look at the real time. So the second video, the Big Sur Tips and Tricks in the last 48 in the last 48 hours, 600 views, not a lot. But the, tip, the, the, the hands-on first look in the last 48 hours, 20. <laughs> so I guess that's a very long way of saying that it's difficult to make a living doing streaming and doing news because things tend to be fleeting. Whenever I do a uh, a video that that I know has lasting potential, I can relax a little bit because I know that in the in the following days I'm gonna have a wave of views and subscribers that keep momentum going on the channel. YouTube's all about momentum. Y- you don't have any Noah, for example, because you upload one video every seven to nine months. Yeah. So. That's that's a lack of momentum. But if you wanted to, to get going on YouTube, the big thing is not, oh, I want to have the good videos. Or, oh, I want to have four videos every month. It's It's not a matter of the number of videos or the spacing between the videos even. It's about momentum. And if you do news videos, then sometimes you have to do more than one video a week. But other times, if I have a video that's doing really well, I'll actually push content back to give it some room to breathe and still be the newest video on my channel. Now, I don't know if that actually does anything, but it is nice every once in a while when I can say, "Ah, oh, heck yeah, this video's doing really well. I'm just going to sit back and watch it go. Uh, nope. The iPhone video is an example of that.
1: Yeah, I, I have to say... I know it's very easy to like dunk on the streamers and be like, oh, they just sit in front of their computer and play games all day and whatever. And like that's a mm-hmm. whole other discussion that can be had. But like those top streamers, they're working basic. I mean, they're working like a full they're working every day. They're doing like, you know, a lot of hours. Like you you can argue about the work and 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 there's like a, you know, all kinds of discussions there. But like I don't think it's as easy as people and it's the same thing with youtube like i feel like a lot of people think that youtube is just like easy and fun all the time but it's like it's work and streaming like you know whatever you want to say it's it's a lot of work you gotta and it's the thing you're saying about the news it's like you know a stream is live so if you want to keep the momentum and keep the people you got to do it like every day if you try to take a vacation like that'll like wipe out a lot of your momentum and you'll oh yeah spend time catching like it's a it's I don't know, I feel like people people don't fully, sometimes people don't fully
0: appreciate that, but it's a lot of work. And I want to also mention, because it seems like at least the first half of this is just talk, is is kind of just YouTube uh, shop talk. Sometimes people are, are into that. It seems like people have, have some interesting input. So one thing I want to point out, uh, this individual has commented, smaller channels are usually playing the useful content long game channels with one million subs are going for entertainment, which serves a shorter window of time. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, because if you, whenever you look up like how to do certain things, tutorials or specific niches, what you'll find is a lot of small channels. That's where a lot of small channels find their niche. That's where I found my niche. Like um, back in like 2018, I, when I uploaded a news video, everyone's like, "I don't care about you." I don't, I don't I don't, give a crap what you have to say about news. Like, wh- what do you care if you think Apple's going to do something? Who are you? You're just some guy. But when it was like, hey, let's uh, upgrade an old iMac, then that was a niche that, that could be filled. And I'm honestly really grateful that I can still upload that type of content because I really like it. And that was sort of the niche that I found. And I'm glad that it has scaled. Although it is worth noting that it, it – it's not my primary view source. In the old times, you know, two, three years ago, that's where all my views came from and a lot of long-term views. But what I've noticed is as my channel has grown, some of the same types of content that I would do three years ago actually get less views now with 300,000 subs than they did with 30,000 subs. Hmm. It's an interesting little... Uh, experiment almost because some uh, and it would be very similar videos because a lot of YouTube is you find something that works you you essentially skyscraper technique that's what a lot of people do in search engine optimization you can kind of do that on YouTube you'd see oh hey this is a video that I did that worked I'm going to keep making similar types of videos that's why you see you know uh, certain channels will upload mystery tech or like massive unboxings and you'll just have like Dozens of those types of videos because once you find something that works the meta is you got to keep doing it Keep innovating on it. Make it better do something crazier but weirdly enough when you go from like micro influencer to like Macro or like mid-size or whatever you want to call it. Sometimes it doesn't scale where a video like, uh, I uploaded a video a couple weeks ago where I did like a $36 MacBook restoration. That's the type of video that would have probably gotten three times the views, but over a longer period of time a, a couple of years ago. It's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I almost wonder if, like, when you were smaller, when your channel was smaller and you were focused on Mac repair stuff, I feel like a lot of the people that were subscribed at that point were subscribed for the Mac repair content. And now I wonder if a lot of your subscribers are just more interested in the news content and they're sort of you know, overshadowing or, or, or a, a larger uh, portion of your subscribers than the yeah. Mac
0: people. Maybe that's an explanation. I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely that. Cause, um, as, and I saw you know every, every video I, I do, I'll get this type of comment. Just my opinion, but I wish you did more restoring Macs and stuff like that. And I love restoring Macs, but there's a couple of reasons why my content looks a little different than it did. Number one is that I have to upload more often than I did back then in order to maintain momentum. Um, and so I can't physically restore that many Macs. Like, There's not enough interesting projects to work on for me to be able to make that quantity of content. Um, so that's the first obstacle. The second obstacle is kind of hand in hand, which is, you know, there's only so many Macs that exist, and I've restored a lot of them. So frankly, it's hard to think of other ideas for content um, in that niche. And every time I think of one, I make the video. But I actually probably make a similar number of videos on the topic as what I used to. It's just that I used to upload a lot less often. Um, So that goes into that. And, and I absolutely love doing that content, but it takes a really long time. And so I need to have other things to, you know, make it a viable business. Um, And that's, and that's why I do news. I do new product reviews. Um, Even the stuff like the that, crappy intel ads which we can talk about oh, yeah after the break and like that having a variety of content is better for peace of mind it's better for having more video ideas to make and ultimately is something that i have to do um i will also say someone else pointed out in terms of shop talk here Make clickbait giveaway videos, then you'll get views. Parentheses, please don't, though. And that's an interesting one because those types of videos can work, but they can also backfire. Because what happens is if you make a giveaway video, and you base like, um, what are some of the big ones? Remember Unbox Therapy when they gave away the pickup truck full of iPhones? Oh, yeah, they've done a bunch of giveaways, right? A lot of big channels do giveaways and a lot of people think that if you're a small channel and you do a giveaway that that's a, a way to gain a following. Hmm. But it, it, it actually can sometimes be a really bad thing because if if I'm you know, a 20,000, 10,000 subscriber YouTube channel and I'm like, okay, I, I want to boost my channel. I'm going to go out and buy an iPhone and then I'm going to give it away. What can happen is – Let's say your video takes off. Let's say a bunch of people say, "Oh, okay, I want a free iPhone. I'm going to enter this giveaway. I'm going to subscribe, I'm going to like, I'm going to follow you on Twitter, whatever whatever your requirements are." What happens is they're not there for you. They're there for a free iPhone. Right. And so if you gain a bunch of subscribers, if you gain a bunch of views, that doesn't translate beyond your giveaway. You know, you run the giveaway, you give away your iPhone, let's say you spend $800 on an iPhone 13 you give it away guess what all you've done is gotten yourself a whole bunch of dead subs because once once you've given away the iPhone they've lost they're not you know you haven't given them your content you've given them a sweepstakes and it doesn't translate that well into gaining returning viewers a good point unless
1: you're like Mr Beast and every video is just giving away <laughs> tons of well stuff. that's
0: cuz i guess that's when you make the giveaway into the content yeah yeah like if you if you're a small channel and you um y- you say okay i'm going to come up with a game show i'm going to go out on the street i'm going to ask a bunch of tough questions and give away stuff to to people you know billy on the street style maybe that's a way to get a valuable following because that's you know then people are following for the video not for the chance to win um and so larger channels do it as a way to boost engagement but smaller channels do it because they think it'll help them grow and it doesn't and they end up just losing whatever they spent on the phone and not getting that return um in ads it just it's very very rare that that actually happens it's a good point um, so at this point in the podcast, I feel like I've been talking a lot. i got to give Noah more of a chance here. But we have a new segment. Yes. We have a new, a new thing that we're going to be doing on every episode of Dark Mode going forward. And it's called The Midnight Chat. So at some point around 9.30, the midpoint in our podcast, we're going to take a break from whatever we're talking about to take take a quick gander over here at the chat to field you guys' questions and, and address comments that we thought were interesting. Because we love, we love talking with you guys in the chat, but sometimes when we're in a, you know, we're talking about a topic, we'll see something that's really interesting, but not related at all. And it's hard, we can't just like drop it immediately and go take a look over there. So... With with our new segment, Midnight Chat, it allows us to do just that, because we essentially build in a point called, shut up, Luke, let's look at other people's things <laughs> that they want to say. That's basically what it is. Yes. Did you have anything interesting that you wanted to point out there, Noah?
1: Let's take a look in the chat here, see if we've got any questions. I did see there was, a nice, uh, there was a nice super chat a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, someone said, here's a little thanks for all the Mac advice you've given me. I've bought two Macs and my iPhone based on your advice. So oh. thanks. That's very nice.
0: Look at that. Oh, I've got a good one. Do, do I support the right to repair movement even though I don't restore a lot of tech? I feel like I restore more tech than other tech reviewers, uh, but, I mean, obviously the answer is yes. Uh, Right to repair is the biggest thing. I might even, I've got a whole video idea that I wanted to do at some point. I'm waiting for like a relevant event to publish it, but there was some, I don't know if you saw this on Reddit. But there's every once in a while someone's MacBook catches fire or something and they're like oh my gosh, MacBook caught fire, and to, uh, I guess some people say oh Apple bad ha ha ha, but other people say other like Apple would say, the reason that you can't repair your stuff is because it's dangerous. What if you hurt yourself? And that that's an argument that has come up against right to repair. And some people say it's valid. Some people say like oh we should be protecting people. Um like you know when you open up an iMac there's exposed power supplies that can be very dangerous you shouldn't be allowed to do it My rebuttal to that is why are our personal devices dangerous <laughs> Can't why can't they just not be dangerous You know <laughs> Like hmm it seems it seems weird that the um the consumer takes the blame for putting themselves in danger rather than Apple putting exposed traces that can electrocute you inside an iMac that's user serviceable. What the heck is that all about, huh?
1: Yeah, I feel like they could have, like with the iMac example, because that was very relevant to us in a couple of videos that we did together. But uh, I feel like if they just put like a little, I don't know, a plastic shield or something, or or they mounted it differently, like, I don't think it would have been that much effort for them to to just cover it up and 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 make it a bit safer. And also like there's a lot of things that people can do that are dangerous and I don't know if I don't know if that's where you draw the line to be like, "Oh, you can go drive a car, but you're not allowed to repair right. your own device." Like I get it's dangerous, and you know what most people are not going to repair. it. Most people are going to take it somewhere to like a some repair shop or the Apple Store or whatever. But like why should you not be allowed to repair it just because it might yeah. be a little dangerous, or like if you break it, like it's your computer and you try to repair it, and you know there's there's a risk there, but like that's that's like a weird place to draw the line. It
0: doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and and here we go. Someone pointed out rightly, Apple made it unnecessarily dangerous to remove the battery from the MacBooks after they started gluing them in. You know, I've opened up a MacBook Pro or two in my day. And there's a lot of air gap actually around the battery cells. Hmm. And it almost makes you wonder why could that not be a little metal bracket with screws? How hard would that be? Yeah, really. I, you know, I'm not sure I buy Apple's arguments whenever they do these kind of things. Okay, I guess there's one area actually. There's one area where I could say I could understand, and that's a unified memory. Like, as much as I would like upgradable RAM, unified memory architecture is pretty great. And I don't know if it's quite, you know, a, a fair trade-off, but it's better than when they were just soldering it for no reason and it had no benefit. It was just the same RAM chips, but glued on, essentially. Yeah, uh, Unified memory architecture does at least give you noticeable benefits, which is that if you get 16 gigabytes of RAM, it performs, like, more than that. So that's... You know, as as bad as it is that you don't have any upgradability, there is at least an argument to be made for the trade-off. Cole Weather says, it's shocking. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I
1: definitely agree. If there's, like, a technological, like, like an actual, like, legitimate reason for something to not be upgradable... But I feel like, I mean, like the battery at the very least, I don't, I can't imagine why that should ever not be. Even if they're weird, like I know the Apple batteries are weird and they're like laid out like all over the computer, whatever, but like you can still take them out and you could still put a new one in. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there are some things, you know, maybe the screen, maybe the battery, whatever, trackpad, there are some things that like
0: should be upgradable. Weirdly enough, actually, the trackpad is, is very easily upgradable. Even still? Even though, it's, even though it's behind the batteries, it's pretty easy to re- replace a trackpad. So that's good. Um, keyboards are not. That's one that, that bugs me because keyboards are pretty easily damaged through like water damage. Like It's pretty easy to, to fry a keyboard without frying the rest of a computer. Hmm. And you essentially have to replace the whole top case. It's I don't know. It's interesting because any issue that you have with a Mac, you crack a screen, you can replace the screen. You, you fry a logic board, you can replace the logic board. You fry a keyboard, you can replace the top case. But the issue is that they kind of break it down into four parts. And if you want to fix something, you got to replace one of those four parts. Um, there's not really a whole lot of in-between. Like, I would love if you, you know, let's say you crack the glass... If you could replace the screen without replacing the metal housing, that would be great. Not necessarily from a cost-effectiveness. Like, I'm sure it would still be expensive or whatever. Um, that's not what we're concerned about. It's it's an environmental thing, you know? Because if you crack your screen, it's useless. And it get, and you gotta, like, recycle it or throw it away or someone has to deal with it. It's a lot of labor to deal with. So, ah. Uh. I don't know. I I feel like it's really not that deep, and most people probably aren't gonna upgrade their stuff. So it's not like everyone's just gonna be start starting to like poke around in their iPhone and zapping themselves on stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I let's get to another one. Why do we re, uh, why do we prefer Macs over PCs? Noah, do you want to start off with this one? Sure. I that's a good question. I
1: personally. I will say this. I have uh, windows 10 installed in bootcamp uh, that I use for games. Although recently it stopped working. It it, uh, it mm. blue screened and uh, like every time I tried to boot it, so I had to wipe it and do a fresh install, but uh, that's beside the point. Ye- it was, uh, that was not good, but, uh, but yes, yeah, so I, I do try to keep windows 10 for games because you know, windows is obviously better for gaming. I personally don't game all that much pretty infrequently And actually, a decent number of the games that I do play are available on the Mac on Steam, anyways. But that's a whole other discussion. The main, the main reason why it's an interesting—I really like the first of all, I like the design. I like the way it looks. I think it's a lot cleaner than Windows. Just, I don't just like the overall look and the user experience and like just the way that it works is just a lot cleaner uh, than windows i really like of obviously being in the apple ecosystem and you have like iMessage and airdrop and you know all of the icloud syncing all that stuff and there is a little bit of that on windows if you get the icloud um, like thing that sits in your taskbar but obviously it's not the same and the main the main thing that i really like about it is mac os is built on top of unix which is you know the same sort of underlying system that linux runs on so all of these uh you know development tools and uh and frameworks and these kinds of things that work well on linux because you know linux is sort of where a lot of the stuff happens so like all of that stuff will run on a mac um usually without any issue or, or you know a lot easier than it will on a pc so like you absolutely can write code on a pc Uh, You can't write iPhone apps on a PC for what it's worth, but like other kinds of code, you know, writing code in Python, making a website, like whatever it is, you can do that on a PC. But I just think it's a lot uh, simpler, a lot easier on a Mac because you open up the terminal and you got, you know, you got like a Linux shell right there and you can use all of the the, um, commands that you're used to and just all the tools work the way that you'd expect them to. It's just... For development, it's a lot, it's a lot cleaner. So that's that's I guess the main reason why I like it personally.
0: Yeah. I would de- I would tend to agree with all of that except for the coding stuff, because I have no experience with that <laughs> whatsoever. But I know a lot of programmers do use macOS and they're that's that's a big reason why. Another one, as Samin pointed out, simplicity, optimization, and no antivirus requirement. That is honestly true. Um I consider myself to be reasonably prof- proficient in preventing against bloatware, but even then, Windows tends to get filled up. Every once in a while, you're like, "Ah, oh, dang it, they got me!" And then you gotta like hunt through to uninstall some like weird search browser thing that shows up on Chrome. Remember when that happened? It- it's yeah. not been as bad lately, but it used to be really easy, and you'd end up with all of these like crummy bloatware garbage programs sucking up all your RAM and cluttering up your screen. It was awful. Yep. I, my, brother, <laughs> my brother was like 11 years old. He used to do a lot of Minecraft modding on Windows, and he would download stuff from sketchy websites, and his entire <laughs> desktop was just a nightmare. Oh, no. It took me like hours one time to go through and just clear all of the junk off of it. Because it, you know, it kind of preys on if you don't know what you're looking for, it's pretty easy to get caught. Uh, also, want to uh, shout out here to Tony. Really enjoyed listening in tonight. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Tony, for the super chat. Glad to have you. Uh, here we go. Any thoughts on Squid Game? I haven't started it yet. Have you, Noah? I haven't seen it, but the first,
1: the first time someone said Squid Game, I didn't know it was a TV show, and I thought they were talking about the game Splatoon. You know that game. <laughs> it's yeah. the game because like they're all squids right in the in the game so when they said yeah. squid game I thought they just forgot the name of Splatoon and then eventually <laughs> I found out it was a TV show but no I haven't seen it
0: yeah I've been meaning to everyone's talking about it and I feel like I'm going to be characteristically late to the, the boat I feel like I'm already late because I feel like people are already like oh everyone's talking about squid game now I'm over <laughs> squid game and I'm like I haven't even started it what if I really like it and want to talk about it yeah I know here's a another question here. Is Facebook on the decline? We did have uh the whistleblower the facebook whistleblower that sixty minutes interview, uh, which I didn't watch, but I was reading about about how Facebook basically prioritized money over everything. Can't exactly say I'm surprised yeah
1: <laughs> and also the yeah. outage I can't believe we uh i oh we didn't talk about the
0: outage, yeah. That was crazy. Oh my god. That was that was nuts. So I saw some I saw some uh murmurs on Twitter about what had caused it. But I don't know if you maybe had a little bit more expertise and could shed some light on how that came to happen.
1: Yeah, I don't know all the details, but I was reading about it. I think basically what happened It has to do with DNS, which I think I mentioned last week as well, but basically DNS is where it's the system where when you type in a website like um, youtube.com, DNS is the system that will figure out which IP address is associated with that website. So you type in youtube.com, the DNS server will tell you, oh, you want youtube.com, go to this IP address, and then it'll... Um, and then your browser can connect to that IP, to connect to that server and load the data, whatever. So that's what DNS is. And I think what happened was a bunch of Facebook's DNS records got deleted somehow. Maybe, I, I, I don't know if it, I guess it was an accident or maybe something expired somewhere or whatever. But like a bunch of DNS records got deleted. And so when you tried to you know, go to Facebook.com, it didn't know, right. It wasn't just Facebook. It was like all of their properties, but when you tried to go to one of them, it wouldn't know where Mm -hmm. the server was. And then the people that were trying to fix it were having problems because they couldn't even like connect to the servers and like the internal tools and stuff that they needed to fix it because all of the DNS (laughs) records were like gone. It was like a, that's why it took so long. It was like a a giant mess. Apparently.
0: Wow. That's bad. So was it, do we know if it was like a cyber attack or negligence or a disgruntled employee or something? I don't know. I don't think – I'm honestly not
1: sure, but I don't think that it was an attack. I think it was
0: – I really don't know. I think it was a mistake that they made, but but, but I'm not entirely sure. I find it interesting uh, to, to answer the question of is it on the decline – I think it's on the decline depending on what uh, generation you're in. Because I just had... I'm pulling up this. My parents and I were laughing about this for ages. In our... Um, like, our... My my hometown's, uh, like, local Facebook uh, tab. There was... We were, we were essentially la- laughing at all the Karens that were posting about the most absurd things. Like someone was saying, oh my gosh, why are there so many lawnmowers? It's so loud. I can't sit outside and enjoy the crisp fall air because of the lawnmowers. It's like, okay, don't live next to other people, I guess, is your solution for that. Uh, but this one was really funny. Uh, and this is sort of like a peak Facebook post. The title of the post is is anyone missing a crab? <laughs> uh, and the and and okay. short and sweet, this live crab just randomly showed up in our backyard. Is anyone missing a crab? <laughs> so there you go. I guess uh, Facebook has has become the foremost location for crab search and rescue operations. So I guess in that sense, it's not declining. That's an important service. Facebook average monthly users. Yeah, okay. So (laughs) I guess this pretty much kind of debunks. I don't know if Facebook is on the decline, but they're certainly not in trouble. They have 2.89 billion monthly active users. I think they're doing just fine that
1: is pretty interesting but you wow. know what you know what i'll say i feel like i feel like their their reputation has definitely taken mm. a lot of hits obviously cambridge analytica and like all the other mm. stuff their their reputation taken a lot of hits but i will say that it was very very smart of them when they bought you know they own instagram and they own whatsapp and whatever yeah. you're going to say about facebook and like facebook you know people like the younger people aren't using it as much and it's going out of style whatever well the younger people are using instagram and in you know whatsapp not used as much like in the united states but internationally like everyone uses that that's like the app that people use in a lot of i know a lot of like spanish-speaking countries use whatsapp for like everything and you know, probably some European countries and other countries, but, but, uh, but, you know, Facebook owns them. So whatever you'll say about facebook.com, uh, you know, they've got plenty of backup plans.
0: Yeah. That's a great, that's a great point. Cause I feel like definitely in the last five years, certainly since 2016, uh, the fake news, uh, disinformation, all of that stuff. So, so, so unbelievably terrible. Holy moly! That's unbelievably bad for you know the concept of reality itself, and so Facebook as an entity definitely took a big hit. And obviously, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg uh, is a creepy little alien demon child, so that's pretty obvious and has uh, certainly not exactly the most popular guy. But I mean, it's really interesting because if you look back, remember uh, the Social Network movie? Yes. Oh, yes that was that was uh what 2010 2012 i think 2010 i think 2010 yeah and so that was like in heyday of facebook uh in terms of popularity in a positive way that was before all of the negative aspects were like the foremost oh oh no did we lose luke hey i'm back
1: Okay, I, thought, uh, I wasn't sure if we lost you or if we lost <laughs> me.
0: Uh no, uh, you lost me, because what I did was I accidentally swiped on the magic mouse and went back to the Streamyard homepage. That'll get you Uh-oh, a little bit too easy to do that on Chrome. But anyway, yeah, uh, twenty ten Facebook was like, hey, it's it's Facebook. They did a good job, but now everyone's kind of like, ah, oh, Facebook sucks. But the same thing definitely doesn't. Uh, carry over to Instagram I don't know how they managed to do that but uh, actually I do know how they managed to do that and that is frankly a lot of young people love to hate on Facebook because they don't use it yeah but they use Instagram like you know the hashtag delete Facebook delete Facebook all that stuff I would like to see this all, all the people that are you know Instagramming about how they deleted Facebook acknowledge the logical incongruity of that sentence and delete their instagrams. I don't think people are going to do it. I'm not going to do it, and I barely even use instagram.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. It's easy to hate on something that you
0: don't use or don't care about. Exactly. Um Yeah, uh, someone just said another reason why Magic Mouse is horrible. <laughs> uh, I can't I can't I can't disagree with you there. However, if I may defend the Magic Mouse, I use it every day. I have so many of them. Because <laughs> sometimes when I'll order like a, a used iMac or the Mac Pro or whatever, they'll come with like a, a Magic Mouse, Magic Keyboard. So I have a lot of Magic Mice around. I kind of like them, Noah. Noah, help me. I need an intervention because I like oh, the Magic man. Mouse.
1: I mean, I have my magic trackpad, and I like my magic trackpad a lot, but I don't I don't know i I um I recently got like a one of those like wired USB mice because I needed mm. one for my other setup here, and yeah. uh, it's kind of I don't know something about like moving it around clicking the buttons like I don't know <laughs> something I don't buttons. I I can understand. I can understand why you might. La- and you got the. You still got the multi-touch though. That's, that's see, the good.
0: multi-touch is the th- so he, the the reason that I use the magic mouse. Oh look, we can see our Streamyard reflection in the mouse. That's so cool. Uh, the reason that I use the magic mouse is because when I'm in Final Cut Pro, I can scroll through the timeline with side-to-side motions, and, and that's just the best thing in the world. There's yeah. not a lot of mice that can do that. When you're on a normal mouse, it's a lot harder to navigate Final Cut Pro. Final Cut Pro is manufactured with multi-touch in mind, Mm -hmm. and I really like the Magic Mouse for that. Uh, Also, weirdly, I don't know if this makes me a strange, strange man, but I use the Magic Mouse for Photoshop, and I'm weirdly very good at it. Like, I'm really, really precise. I don't know if you knew this, Noah, but all of my... Uh, thumbnails where there's like my silhouette. I cut those all out by hand. Really? Yeah.
1: Like by, because like whenever I have to do that, I use like the magnetic lasso tool or something.
0: And it looks terrible, right?
1: Yeah, but you use the regular,
0: you do well, right, I use the eraser impressive. tool. I do it by okay. hand. Um, I'll also do like the um, polygonal Polygonal uh, lasso tool If I'm cutting out Like a MacBook with you know straight Lines because obviously that's a lot harder to do But for my silhouette I I do cut it out by hand And I do it with With the magic mouse Because it's so freaking precise And I can zoom in and I can Be very and I've just I, I guess I've just gotten really Good at like flicking it like a paintbrush across my desk Hmm By the way, shout out to the Space Gray Magic Mouse and the Space Gray Magic Keyboard. The best. And the the Space
1: Gray Magic Trackpad as well. Uh,
0: (laughs) I I feel like, should I get one? Should I get a Magic Trackpad? I really
1: like, I mean, it's just the MacBook Trackpad, but a little bit bigger. And, you know,
0: separate thing. I really like mine. Okay, wait. All right. Let me Can I Can I explain the one dilemma that I have with the Magic Trackpad? Yes. When Maybe. I use a trackpad, let me first ask you this. When you use your Magic Trackpad, where do you put it? It is
1: next it's to the right of the keyboard, where the mouse, right. like where you would put a mouse.
0: That throws me off. You expect it to be below the keyboard? I expect it to be below the keyboard because that's how I always use it. I always use – so I guess it's because I use uh, the trackpad. uh, Where I use trackpad and keyboard in conjunction the most is in Final Cut. Mm -hmm. So currently, um, when I'm on a desktop, I have one hand on the mouse, one hand on the keyboard. You know, space B, uh, V, N, T. Uh, command. Those are like the the main hot keys that I use all the time. So I've got my hand right. like right there on that. If I'm using a trackpad, I do like this weird double claw grip, where I've got my thumb on the trackpad and my my left thumb on the trackpad, my right index finger on the spacebar, my left index finger on the B key. I have like a very strange, like I have these these muscle memory key combinations and with, with the magic trackpad it throws it all off and the main reason the main reason is I use my left hand for hotkeys but I'm also a left handed person so I can't use the trackpad with my right hand. It just feels weird.
1: That's that's really interesting because I always use the magic trackpad to the right of the keyboard like a mouse i never really thought about because like obviously yeah on the on the mac it's below I'm like i guess you could just put the trackpad below it might not be the same experience but like i never i've never had i don't have any like any like hand positions like that that like the muscle memory but that's interesting i have never thought about like how they're kind of different
0: it just kind of works for me look at that i i've just come out as left-handed I don't know if I've ever officially said that. It's a big deal, actually. But, yeah, so I mean, you're right. You. Uh, I'm very brave. But, yeah, I mean, if I didn't have all of the muscle memory <laughs> things, I probably wouldn't find it that big a deal. I got to just get one at some point. I think the big issue is I don't want to spend $70 or whatever it is. its is. Isn't it an extra 50 if you add it at the time of purchase or something?
1: I think so. this one that I got, I mean, this one Apple sent me long story that I've told before, but I oh, think yeah. this one was like 150 new, mm. like a s- obviously separate thing. I think it's that's like ridiculous. $50 or whatever. Yeah. And it was, and it was, uh, I think when I got this one, the white one was like 130 and then the space one was 150. It was an extra
0: $20 for the space for the gray paint. color.
1: And that was the only difference.
0: Yeah, no, that's so stupid. Let me look at this now actually, because I, I, it might very well be the same, or do they even still sell that? I don't I'm think not they sure. sell
1: the space gray. I think they only sell the white one. And it has the more rounded edges, like with the iMac.
0: Okay, so it looks like you can... Gosh, why is it so hard to find these things? The Magic Trackpad... Ah, oh, boo! Yeah, it only comes in silver. And it's $130. Bucks. Yep. The same thing, the keyboard... I do like that you can buy the touch ID keyboard for Apple Silicon Max. So you can buy that for a Mac Mini. But you can't buy it yeah. in color. Also, it's it's fifty dollars just for touch ID. That's a lot. A hundred dollars for the normal keyboard, a <laughs> hundred and fifty for touch ID. Those accessories will get you. I'm sure Apple makes pretty good oh amount my on those accessories. God. Their profit margin—it probably costs them twenty dollars, and they sell for one fifty. Yep, I would just go on eBay.
1: Yeah, get a a space gray Magic Trackpad. See what you think. You could maybe you could put it below the keyboard and see if see if it's good enough for your. Yeah, I might have to do that.
0: But you know what? I definitely have to do. What do you have to do? Is segue into us wrapping up this episode, the twenty fifth episode. Of dark mode. A quarter century. That's how it works. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for joining us. We hope you had some fun. Hope you had. Uh, let, let us know what you think of our new uh, midnight chat section. We'll be doing that every week. Yeah, it'll be good to uh,
1: get some more. Trying to get even more uh, chat interaction in here. It's
0: always a good thing. Always a good thing. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I have been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. We will see you next
1: week. Have a great night.